Hi, welcome to the Book Talks Podcast. It's the podcast where we interview traditionally and self-published authors. What's their story about? What inspired them? What tips and advices they can give to aspiring writers and authors as well? In today's episode is the 50th episode and this is a special one because we will be talking to Dr. Barbara Gibby. She is the author, one of the books that she published is entitled Ending Wars on Uganda's Children. It's a very interesting one. Um, she uh, she had a great experience, uh, and I think she's the best person that would be able to speak in behalf of the book. And without any further ado, Dr. Gibby, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. That's great to hear. I mean... Uh, when I was browsing over your book, uh, I mean, it's a profoundly moving and eye-opening account that sheds light on the harrowing experiences of children affected by the devastating conflicts in Uganda. Uh, through uh, a compassionate narrative, you have uh, you you've delved deep into the lives of these young victims, exploring the trauma they endure and the resilience they display amidst the unimaginable adversity. Uh, I think my first question is, you know, this book, Ending Wars on Uganda's Children, it, it sheds light on the lives of children affected by conflicts in Uganda. What inspired you to write about this particular topic and what do you hope readers will take away from the book? Um, I think the, when I initially went over to uh, Uganda, it was more to find out what life was like there. And, and the more I stayed there, the more I realized that uh, I could maybe come in and, and help a little bit with working with the, with the um, leaders and the children. Um, it was just more watching what was happening uh, in front of me as realizing that the people did not have running water. Uh, the children would come to meetings fall asleep on a, on a wooden bench out, outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell that they had a cold and were mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so watching all of that, then I, that first year, both my sister and I uh, felt that one of the things we wanted to look into a little bit more to help out a little bit anyway, was why not why they didn't have the running water. They were using standing water in in ponds, you know, wherever they could get it, especially wow. as the water got more, uh, you know, it was uh, not there. It's drying up and drying so up, on. Yeah. So um, that thought, then we went back home and, and wanted to look up and see what we could find on uh digging wells or having wells brought in uh, or uh, equipment brought in to put in a well. Uh, initially, we wanted to try, we, we thought we could get more if we could do a more of a shallow well. Apparently, other people have tried that and um, the deep borehole is, you almost need that, go down about 300 feet before you have water that will really be sufficient 
to take care of the school and the village in that area. That would area. be so deep. Yeah, that <laughs> would be quite deep. And, you know, the first year in particular, my sister and I uh, was out there daily watching how, what they were doing and, and what was happening. And our, our first first people were uh, had old equipment, so it often broke down. But, you know, they were out there every day. You know, sometimes a bolt would break and they'd have to go back in town. But uh, it was just kind of uh, amazing to watch that that whole process. Children would come out and watch what was happening. It was like a, a almost isolated people and it was entertainment for the week. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so anyhow, we did do that and we... Uh, put in the first well that came out almost as a geyser, uh, you know, like a artesian well almost. Um, but then, you know, then we went to the next school. They had this particular uh, nonprofit organization had eight or nine uh, schools. So we realized if we did one, we were probably going to have to come up and do, you know, more than what we thought we were going to do. So it was just a matter of, of um, you know, coming up with the finances and, you know, going back. And pretty soon when you, you go back for eight or nine times for wells, you realize that you've grown quite fond of the people. And they are mm-hmm. very delightful people, mm-hmm. children, you know. So it was a learning experience for me, mm-hmm. and, you know. Uh, also, the awareness, though, was that uh, these people have had almost nonstop war since yeah. their freedom from England in 1962. Um, you know, the first one was take the, the king was going to become the first president. They somehow got that out away from him after one year. And... Um, uh, what's uh, a Bodhi was Milton Abode was the uh, first person that apparently was became a president or the official person in charge of being free and working things out. Uh, he was there for about seven or eight years. He realized he needed some help, so he he uh, contacted Idi Amin. And if you know anything about Idi Amin, that was going to be a disaster, and it was. Mm. He became became then the next president, and mm. uh, it, 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 they uh, that got. I think there was a hundred. Uh, no, uh, two hundred and fifty thousand people were killed under him. Uh, although the estimates were maybe you know because they couldn't really tally how many people were uh, did die uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. The estimate be ranged from uh, two, 200,000 to 500,000. Apparently the bodies would be taken into put in the well, or not the well, I'm sorry, the in the, uh, the dam where uh, the water, you know, sets, uh, allows the... Uh, uh, for electricity in, in the towns, and um, 
at that point, it, that was the, the so many people had been put in that the water was, you know, was, the water wouldn't flow anymore. Uh, as I was uh, in a car going over to that same area, Jinja, um, the person with me was saying that after, uh, even after uh, Idi Amin was no longer in charge, they had years of vultures flying over that area uh, because of all of the massive deaths that were going on there. Mm-hmm. These people went through that, and it's very traumatizing, as you can imagine. Definitely. So, so but, anyhow, uh, go, just just for the ahead. sake of the the, of the context, Doctor Gibby, um, what brought you to Uganda? Is it somewhat like is this uh, is it related to your profession? I mean, uh, are you part of a non-profit organization? Well, no. Actually, my sister asked me if I wanted to go with her. And nothing oh. more than that. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I am interested in that sort of thing. And as a psychologist, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that would be, it was a, a great in, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that was my main reason for going over. I can't say it was any more altruistic than that. Mm-hmm. The other part of that came more from after being there, mm-hmm. uh, realizing that these, you know, someone needs to kind of help the people get started, and, and that's what we were kind of doing, mm-hmm. trying I mean, to organize that part it- of it. It's just unimaginable. It's heartbreaking. I mean, uh, water, shelter, those are our, you know, basic needs. And right. people who have not experienced scarcity in life, they, it, they would find it strange not to have an access to a potable water. But for these people in Uganda, mm-hmm. it's already like a luxury to them, which is kind, kind of heartbreaking, you know. Um, uh and uh i was going over your book uh, uh i mean your i think the book's strength lies in its emphatic and nuanced portrayal of of, of the of children's stories i mean you ex- exhibit a a deep understanding of their struggles carefully crafting their experience with sensitivity and respect you've uh brought to life the challenges they face ranging from displacement and loss to the horrors of war and violence, yet amidst these heart-wrenching tales, you've emphasized the, uh, the, that the children's determination to survive and their uh, unwavering hope for a, for a better future. I mean, you, you, I think you discussed that one earlier. Um, were, were there any specific encounters or stories that particularly impacted you while conducting your research or, or, or while you know reflecting on your experience and then writing this book? Probably the one thing that really in, 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 in impacted me was being told that uh, there was so much going on that the people that in a village could see that one of the armies, some of the people are coming in uh, with military, uh, you know, uh, intentions. So they'd pack, grab everything they could and run away in the opposite direction. They would get there, and the same thing would happen. Someone would come from another direction, 
They'd pick up everything and then they would run off to get away from that. I, I couldn't imagine not being safe. And I live in America, so uh, being a child, how did that influence the child? Uh, that was probably my most, the, the one that impacted me the most. Wow. There were many other, of course. I mean, I'm sure there are a, a, a lot, but yeah, I mean that that's 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 striking to me because, uh, you know, uh, as, aside from the basic needs, uh, our safety and security, uh, and uh, you know, must also be secured in a way to for us to have a a a a, 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 a civilized uh, uh, world. I mean, for a, for you know, I think this people is just is not asking too much. You know, these I mean, people mm -hmm. in Uganda they just want basically the basics. You know, I've I've you've uh, uh, I've seen on uh, I've never been to Uganda, but I've I've, I've seen some National Geographic uh, uh, documentaries of you know those vultures. Uh, the malnutrition, the the I mean the, mm -hmm. the the scarcity of everything, you know. Um, I mean, uh, the book brings attention to the urgent need for global intervention. Um, how do you believe individuals and organizations can best support and advocate for the affected children? Well, I think probably just offering assistance or help at any time. Uh, surprisingly, when I first started back in 2004, it was, I thought, we'll never, we'll never even make an impact on, on what's going on over there. But gradually, you know, through word of mouth and, and uh, just this sort of thing, we were having people from the United States come over to help. So there has been I think after about 10, 10 years, I would come into the village and be just amazed at the difference of what I was seeing between mm -hmm. the two, that first year and the last year. Uh, the buildings, the school buildings were basically uh, kind of a waddle with mud and, and manure to keep it because yeah. it wouldn't dry away. Um, and then the children, it was kind of, disturbing to me anyway as the children um, were sitting in those buildings with you know stuff we try to avoid which is manure of course exactly I mean it's it's just just unimaginable I saw that uh, you know when uh, you know I'm, I'm, uh, what I do when I read the book is basic of course you read you read the back cover and I, I think I've, I remember you, you you've stated that uh, the school buildings were mud mixed with manure to slow down the drying out and leaving buildings in dust. I mean, uh, it's just, it, it, it's just uh, heartbreaking. I'm sorry, go on. Okay. And then uh, that same uh, composition when you had the rains, you had, uh, Uganda has four different seasons. They have a heavy uh, rain season, then they have a dry season, then they have a milder rain season, and then they have another dry season. Uh, during the the heavy rain seasons, that would come down and just kind of, I guess, erode a building. The mm -hmm. children, it shows pictures of children looking out 
what used to be a window, but is now an eroded part of the building. Um, so they've got a much larger and a kind of a crooked window to look out. But it, uh, I don't remember if one of the pictures were taken of that in the, and put in the book. Um, it, it it just lets you know how vulnerable yeah. the people were. The other thing is that struck me was with because the consequence of all the wars, there were three million orphans. We could only work with three thousand in the schools. I'm not saying we could. That was all we had the opportunity to mm-hmm. to work with. Mm-hmm. And, wow. Uh, that is, you know, I th- that gets into the population of some of our 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 own towns and states. That that's a lot of people. So uh, of course. It, uh, it can't be undone all in one on swoop. Yeah, yeah. And the the income is about a thousand a year, so you know they're limited. And they they have their gardens out next to, well, in our case, next to the schools. Um, you know, it's so they would raise uh, cassava and some of the things, mm. and then that was a routine. It's kind of a very pasty type, uh, mm-hmm. like potatoes, you where you smash them up. But it's that's a daily food for these people, and some of them don't even have that much. Hmm. I mean, um, I, I I even even recall one of the documentaries that I saw that um, I mean, first of all, when you mentioned three million orphans, I mean that's a lot. And uh, you know you mm-hmm. can only do so much, and um, I think uh, we could only hope that the help that they're getting would promote sustainability, not just like a one-time thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. throughout throughout the book, you've highlighted the role of uh, uh, you highlight the role of storytelling in conveying the children's experiences. Can you can you discuss the importance of storytelling as a tool? for raising awareness and driving change? Putting a material in uh, in a concise, uh, in a book, I think helps people really, uh, you know, decide that, boy, I do want to help that person. Uh, what can I do to help? Uh, a lot of it is a Christian value, I realize, but I think mm-hmm. any religion would have much the same uh, mm-hmm. feelings towards wanting to help people that in need. Uh, it just is an awareness of letting other people know what's going on. I don't. I think we were very unaware of what Idi Amin was doing in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, well, and then after that, you got the north and you got the south in Uganda. When I came in in 2004, we had Joseph Kony. I think people have heard of him. He Mm -hmm. is the one who would kidnap boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Boys more for the army, girls more for wives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and consequently, it was, you know, it was just, um, that part is heartbreaking too, is that uh, one of the first, things that a kidnapped child had to do was to kill someone. So to prove that he could was 
qualified to be in the army. He, preferably, they wanted him to kill a parent or both. Mm-hmm. And, and there was some rendering of that where parents would say, no, no, do what they say. Uh, you can't imagine being more torn up than that. Yeah, I mean, um, I have no words to say. It's just devastating to hear that kind of uh, uh, um, fact. And um, so you, 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 you've been in Uganda the first time in 2004. Um, mm-hmm. How many times have you, uh, uh, you know, you, you've been there and when was the last time that you've been there? The last time was in 2000, I believe. I said 15 years. I've worked with these people since I first met them. Uh, but uh, I was there going every year for about 10 years. And um, at that point, I got involved with putting in uh, a choir or helping put in a choir. Mm-hmm. And, and that first year in 2010, I came back home. It, uh, totally, uh, uh, I was going to put in a trademark and a nonprofit and get it organized where the children in the choir could come over and entertain and then maybe build up an income to, for the schools to mm-hmm. keep the school. Uh, unfortunately, Uganda doesn't have, uh, they don't have schools provided by the government like we do here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it has to come from uh, nonprofit organizations. And, and there's a, more than a few that are doing that, and that's really amazing to see, you know, yeah. compared to, to what we have here. But So you can tell then the people are really wanting to help over, over there to mm-hmm. just organize, let them have the schooling so uh, they can go on and, and help build Uganda back up. And, and that's the main purpose, I think, I saw in, in that was mm-hmm. building uh our mm. being there then i we could uh, all the wells were in, uh put in by the time we left in uh i think even 2010 so we were starting to go back at that point just to make sure everything was going quite well wells were working a lot of times uh the kids would see the it, it was a hand pump well Uh, to bring the water up and the kids would use that kind of as a, a swing or a toy so it would break down and it took a while to instruct people that no you can't mm-hmm. you can't treat the equipment that way or you're not going to have it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. our last few years there was just to follow up on that part mm-hmm. and and you know I guess kind of train and, and find out what needed to be repaired mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say two, 2014 was probably pretty much towards the end of us going over. Mm-hmm. However, that didn't, we have a lot of people that have come from the churches. I, I'm sorry, I started in on the choir. So we got that started, and they built, they got someone to come in and help them become quite uh, quite good at, at singing and, and entertaining. Uh, and then they come over every year. So that has kept the schools um, going. You know, the teachers pay for the teachers. 
pay for the equipment. You go over now and you see there are more permanent buildings, concrete, and where some years when we would get news from them, uh, they're almost like a hurricane would come in and, and sweep off roofs and so on. There's less of that. I don't hear too much of that. Now I hear more. Uh, I, I'm constantly in contact with uh, Moses Mabuka Sinanda. Uh, and he was saying that at this point, what's really harming or doing problems, uh, making problems, is the uh, a reaction to the uh, oh the the, the uh, p- pandemic or the the flu thing mm-hmm. that came around. I, they were affected by it. In fact, the choir got over in the United States that first year and was closed down. They they ended up having to stay in a in a park type setting until it was time to go back. So wow. those are the things that are still affecting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you, you actually said earlier, uh, Joseph Kony is, you know, Uganda, Uganda's history has been marred by violence and conflict, uh, as you stated earlier. Uh, how do you mm-hmm. see the country's future? Uh, and what role do you believe the international community can play in fostering peace and stability within the country? I, um, hopefully, by word of mouth, what we're doing, uh, the children are contacting many other Christian people who have shown uh, a great deal of interest. Some organizations have come over and, and are the ones who have built to put the buildings up for the school. Uh, I, you know, I think it just uh, word of mouth. Like I say, I can't speak well, you know, enough for that because that's what I saw working. Mm-hmm. When people were coming over, or Doctors Without Borders, or you know, any these people also didn't have a lot of medical. In fact, out in the villages, they probably had none other than witch doctors, mm-hmm. and yeah. which. They had some pretty outdated ways of of uh, healing. Yeah, that I I certainly I I know it went into several different problems that mm-hmm. we had to take into uh, more traditional or more more modern medication medical uh, facilities. I mean, your your call to action is. Uh powerful and thought-provoking, you know, urging readers to contemplate their roles in advocating for change and supporting organizations that aid the affected children. Like you said, I think I would agree with that, that, you know, for these things to be addressed, it needs word of mouth. It needs to be talked Mm -hmm. about, you know. I mean, uh, your book, Ending Wars on Uganda's Children, is an emotionally charged and compelling exploration of the resilience of, of human spirit in the face of unimaginable uh, uh, hardship. Uh, and th- this book stands as a, as, as a testament to the power of storytelling and uh, 
uh, its potential to inspire empathy, compassion, and and uh, and action. Basically, um, your 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 work combines extensive research and personal experiences on the ground. Um, what steps do you like recommend for readers to uh, to to wish uh, uh, to get involved uh, in supporting uh, uh, that aid uh, uh, these uh, uh, young victims? Um, yeah, I think more uh, probably similar to what we've done. Let's go over I, I, when we first started. Uh, Moses would remind us that no, we weren't a lot of people. There was only four, four to six of us initially that went over. Um, but he said, the fact that you're here is a testament that you care, that wow. people from America care. Yeah. And, and that, you know, again, that is absolutely true because as the choir went through and, and, educated people here in the United States about what was going on over there. And some of their books are fantastic. Uh, the Abode Girls, for one, uh, to tell you just how grim it got. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, you know, at this point, that's there's enough people coming over with, like the medical uh, doctors without borders. It's not nearly enough, but it certainly is a big step in, in getting the awareness that this is going on. People come over now more. Uh, I, I think Moses is just trying to, pe- as the people come in and want to help, he's organizing and, and uh, helping just build, you know, the schooling is his main thing. Mm-hmm. He feels that if you've got the education, that that country is going to grow. And I think I see the potential of that at this point. Mm-hmm. And just, just for I the think. sake of context, uh, you, you, you mentioned the name Moses. Uh, I think on the book, the, that's the, the person you met, uh, uh, the, the senior pastor of, of, uh, of gospel messengers is Gosa, uh, yeah. uh, Moses Mbuga. Yeah. Mbuga, Simon, oh, I think it's um, Moses Simanda Mabuga. Simanda Mabuga, yes, and mm-hmm. um, and y- y- your your book basically touches on the resilience and hope that children display in the face of adversity, as what we discuss. How do you see mm-hmm. their their stories inspiring readers, uh, and basically influence uh, influencing public perspective uh, perception of of conflict affected regions. I think uh, probably the schooling is mm-hmm. a critical big step over in, in uh, Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Moses is very dedicated to that. I think there are other schools also, but this is the one I know about. Uh, he has, we're starting to have people now who graduate and come back in and are working with the schools. So it's kind of... Uh, it's becoming a rewarding system where it comes back in and supports itself. Uh, so I, I, I see that as that Uganda will mm-hmm. really come out of whatever deep, uh, I guess, depression or, mm-hmm. you know, darkness anyhow, mm-hmm. that 
I, I see a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I see a lot mm-hmm. more hope. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, I think your book is one way of uh, uh, God's way uh, to basically use this as a tool to you know for for these issues to be raised. It must be talked about. You know, um, mm-hmm. and listening to you, uh, who has a, a, a decade long of experience and going back and forth to the country of Uganda, uh, I, I I can sense that the 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 in in a way fulfillment because you are seeing progress firsthand, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I think you know this. Uh, Uh, the good thing about this kind of platform like you know interviews podcasts is that it basically uh, um, targets audience and with the hope of you know uh, uh, and that's also one of the uh, uh, importance of your book is basically not only that you're stating the problem but you're you're you're, you're you have a call to action and I think my my final question here for this interview as as an author, What were the most um, challenging and rewarding aspects of writing wars on, uh, 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 writing ending wars on Uganda's children, and how has the process impacted your own understanding of the world? Well, it's been very, you know, it's really made an impact on on how I look at uh, children in need and the awareness the have-nots the uh you know the third world countries so to say uh need just a little bit of help and and i think that they will become more productive you know they i moses first brought it up he says he wants to bring back home the streets the way united states has been built the lack of illness because of it I guess I can't say that we don't have illness, but the fact that we don't have mm-hmm. as ha- much hardship as what they have is just uh, he want that's what he wanted to bring to his his country. I think his with his educational process and his, his well and his wife and he worked together on this uh, Hopkins and and Moses I believe will help. Uganda in a way that few other things will, simply because you got that constant. You you have to learn, and you have to uh, work for improvement. They don't come to you with without some effort. Exactly. I mean, um, this is a humbling uh, 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 understanding of uh, you know sometimes. Uh, we we tend to to uh, appreciate the things that we do have, and you know, looking back at uh, looking at this, you know, this people, the children, this country. Again, they're not asking for too much. They're just basically asking for the basics, you know. And and mm-hmm. uh, um, I think it's a reminder uh, that um, you know you 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 uh, you are a human being for a reason and that is to help other human beings exist and uh, 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 thrive with their lives um, and um, uh, you, you've inspired me today Dr. Gibby regarding this storytelling that you have I, 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 I could only hope that with this podcast 
we would be able to attract uh, more people for their call to action, their own version of call to action. Uh, no uh, uh, small effort uh, um, um, can can be like you know uh, be taken away from these uh, from 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 these people, you know. Um, and um, once again, the title of the book, "Ending Wars on Uganda's Children" by Dr. Barbara Gibby. It's already available on Amazon and other uh, uh, platforms. Dr. Gibby, I really thank you so much for your time. I'd love to talk to you more, and uh, God bless you. Thank you much. We appreciate this this time. Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye bye.